Hello and welcome back to The Rewind. I'm Josh and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today, The Rewind concludes its reviews of the Oscar Best Picture nominations as uh, we talk about women talking. I'm happy to be joined by my friend Kayla Lichtenstein. Kayla, what's going on? Hey, so, you know, we're talking about women talking. My pronouns are she, her, and I identify as a woman who is currently talking. It would, it would have been a little awkward if I just invited some dude to talk about this one, you know? So I uh, I saw I saw the movie with Adam and uh, Adam and Kayla and thought, uh, uh, Kayla, you know, seemed like she had some might, might have had some thoughts on it. When we were done. So I figured, hey, uh, Kayla, Kayla is not a dude. Let's have Kayla come talk about this. <laughs> um, I mean, um, according to the prophet, you know, what was his name from good burger he's a dude she's a dude we're all dudes it's all good <laughs> i do appreciate the fact that there is a good burger reference and a woman talking discussion i can't i can't say there's probably too many other podcasts out there that have that happen so appreciate you already like you know uh justifying letting this podcast justify its existence by having something new to say about this movie um <laughs> but uh woman talking is the newest film from writer director sarah Pauly. she had not made a movie in 10 years since, uh, I believe, Stories We Tell, though I, I, and I need to watch some of her other movies. She's a very well-respected indie filmmaker. This is you know, kind of a step up for her getting to do something like this. But I, I had seen uh, Take This Waltz, the 2011 movie starring Michelle Williams and Seth Rogen and Luke Kirby, which I uh, quite enjoy, which I quite enjoyed. So I, I need to watch her other two movies. And, but she'd been around a while as like a, as like a child actor, a- actress, too. But uh, she she was adapting a book from a 2018 novel by Miriam T- Toes, which uh, kind of told the story of it, which is like a, a different version of the story that that book kind of documented or, or that, excuse me, I guess that book was kind of inspired by an imagined response to a, a version of a story that took place in a uh, Mennonite colony in Bolivia, where over a four year period between th- 2005 and 2009, just uh, tons of uh, just uh, like apparently over 100 girls and women in this colony woke up and discovered they've been raped in their sleep by different men in their community who had used uh, like animal tranquilizers to knock them out while they uh, perpetrated their crimes. And in the version of this movie, it's just kind of hit a breaking point with all the men in the community that are perpetrating the crimes. And one day when the men go basically go into town to like uh, basically just go into town to uh, to oversee like bailing out other men who have committed crimes uh, from other attackers that have been arrested. The, the women go out and decide over the course of this time that the men are out of the community to uh, make a decision. What are they going to do about this? Uh, they have votes uh, and they have, they have three different options when they're voting and discussing one being to stay and forgive because they need the forgiveness of the men to be able to, you know, enter the gates of heaven as they're uh, as they're very, a very religious group of people. Some want to stay and fight back and they have to figure out what that might look like. Some want to uh, just leave and don't come and not go and leave and never come back. And uh, it's about these And very quickly. The, uh, the, the, the first option kind of gets voted down and then the, uh, a small group of women have to debate those final two options. And uh, they really literally debate all the pros and cons. Uh, it's a very, very uh, impressive cast of actresses and one actor, uh, but Rooney Mara plays Ona. She's uh, someone that became pregnant by way of her attacker and is a little, you know, in the middle as to what to do. Uh, Claire Foy plays Salam or Salome. I forgot the name, Kayla, S-A-L-O-M-E. I don't want to say Salami, so <laughs> I don't know. Definitely um, not Salami. I don't know. I don't think it's Salami. Uh, I'll say Salome. It was played by Claire Salome. Foy. 
Salome. Okay. Uh, she's played by Claire, Claire Foy and she kind of wants to stay and fight. And there's Jesse Buckley, another really great actress. She plays Marish who, uh, kind of wants to stay and forgive as does, uh, the Francis McDormand character, uh, actress played by, as does the character played by Francis McDormand, but she is, she just wants to like stay and forgive and is so adamant about it. She just leaves. But Francis McDormand, very notable actress is a, uh, is also a producer on the film. Ben Wishaw plays August, who uh, is kind of like the one male character in the movie who is there as kind of the secretary taking minutes, uh, m- primarily because these women who have been so uh, secluded in this very strictly religious Mennonite community don't know how to read or write. They needed someone to be able to do that. He is, I guess, I suppose, one of the more enlightened men in this community because also because he had been excommunicated and uh, and ended up studying somewhat on the outside before coming back to help teach the young men of the community and we are with them and there's also a couple other older uh older older women played by sheila mccarthy and uh judith ivy i believe uh who are yeah sheila mccarthy and judith ivy greta and agatha and they are they they aren't quite as uh their uh, opinions are actually a little maybe a little more uh on the other end of the spectrum from where the francis mcdormand's characters are than you'd think at at certain points there's all this wide spectrum of opinions and these people have to come together and decide what they're going to do Kayla, again, it's 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 not really a uh, one of these traditional movies where you're just kind of weaving through a plot like we might normally do on one of these podcasts. It's just a movie really is one long discussion with some breaks. The movie does allow like, and it kind of confused me. And I'll talk about my kind of experience understanding the timeline of the movie a little bit more and how I think part of it was really powerful once I fully kind of grasped the timeline a little better. But uh, ultimately, like, you know, it's largely just one discussion, but very powerful dealing with very, very serious ideas and themes and uh, fact uh, and subject matter. And I, I, I'm curious because I, I, I went up and funny, I went to the movie with you and Adam, but we had different seats. So I walked up to uh, where you guys were after the movie ended. And uh, let's just say I, I, I can tell you've been you've been somewhat moved. And I'm wondering, uh, you know, what? What about the, was there a certain part of this movie that like stuck with you? Cause we're about n- nine days since we watched it or 10 days since we watched it. Is there, is there a part of it that's like stuck with you? That's like resonated with you the most uh, as you've like thought about it more since you just had that very strong emotional reaction uh, right at the moment the film finished. And what, what, and what, what about this story did really so strike a chord with you? So I low key cried like most of the time. Oh, okay. Um, I didn't get into. I wasn't. Gonna, I was gonna blow up your spot like that, but like I mean, I knew you did at the end, but I didn't. Know, I no, wasn't aware I, I low key cried like throughout it because like these women had been hurt, abused, raped in any way they could be, in any way they could be, financially, mentally, emotionally, educationally, physically. Like these women have been victims of abuse and it was really really upsetting to me because while we have this microcosm of this Mennonite colony women and men all around the world you know do experience this and it was like really really like impactful that a filmmaker took the time to air these discussions and so some of the things they said were incredibly upsetting and it was meant to be upsetting. Like that's the emotional reaction that was the aim, but I'm probably going to get emotional about it. Um, (laughs) But the thing that really stuck with me, the thing that still gets me emotional was over the course of the film, they talk about like in question, well, why are we writing all this down? 
why are we having August write all of this down? We can't read this. And they're like, no, it's important that we write this. It's important that we have this to share. And that was, you know, a repeated moment throughout it. Like, why are we even writing this? Why are we even doing this? Why is he even here recording these things? And they're like, no, your purpose is to take the minutes of the meeting. So it was just repeated, repeated about the information they're sharing in this conversation, this discussion being written. And then we get to the end with Ona, who is pregnant in this movie. And the question kind of comes up again. Like, why, why are we writing this down? We can't read it. And then Ona says, yeah, but she will. And like, I'm like getting really emotional right now because that's like so powerful that these women aren't just looking. And that's part of the larger discussion of the film too. These women aren't just looking at their abuse, at their rape, at their educational abuse, mental abuse, physical abuse. They're thinking like, how do we save our daughters? And with everything going on politically, it, this is loud. How do we save our daughters? Okay, sure, we can save ourselves, but we have to save ourselves to save our daughters. And for me, that's really, really powerful, really, really upsetting. Because once again, this is a microcosm of a lot of the things that are happening now, um, especially in our country. So if not for us, then for our daughters. If we can't read, we need to make sure our daughters can read. And being a huge, an avid reader, a huge book person, like being a huge advocate for literacy, that like hit me doubly hard. And literacy is under attack right now. And so we want to give our girls our future generations, our he's, our she's, our they's, our them's. Like we need to give them that space and that safety to be able to grow, to be able to move forward, to, you know, and the microcosm be able to read. I'm not sure how much you knew about the movie going in. Did you, uh, I don't know how much of the plot you knew, but like regardless, like was it a revelation to you when they say the movie is set in 2010 and they, it's, it's only like a brief thing in passing, uh, but they, the, the, someone's coming through the town and saying, oh, you want to take the 2010 census, fill out the 2010 census information or whatever. And I know you didn't clock that because I, I kind of knew it going in and then I missed them saying that in the movie. Uh, so I was like, wait, I knew I missed something. And I, I know you've heard it there. Did that like, uh, did that do much for you and how you were thinking about a lot of the things you just talked about and like how it's like, uh, I mean, is this as far as like, oh, wow. You know, this isn't something where it's like, oh, you know, a woman didn't have rights back in the, like the 1950s or whatever or something. This is well, like, but this isn't about the general community. This is about a Mennonite colony. Mm-hmm. Like, so. Right. But also just knowing that, this, knowing, knowing that this kind of thing could exist in modern times, you know? I mean, yeah, these kinds of things exist in modern times. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, like every other basic white woman, love true crime. Like I recently went on Netflix, watched all of the, um, what is it? Keep sweet and pray. What is that called? But it was about, you know, a community modern one. Yeah. It's keep sweet, pray and obey 
on Netflix where it does talk about the polygamous fundamentalist church and it's things that are happening in modern times that this isn't something that happened 1960s and prior this is something that's still happening and so the date didn't make that big of an impact because of the community it was focused on you you know the thing that actually kind of moved me a lot about the movie was when you know, again, I, 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 one thing I did hear correctly, and I just kind of forgot because the, the way the movie kind of stretches out time, it made it feel like it was like going over the, it was taking place over the course of a longer amount of time than it actually was. So I was like, wait, I thought they said the men were coming back sooner. And I just didn't realize like how not that much time had elapsed. It was so, like a day. Yeah, it, fe- it felt kind of longer. I kept thinking like I'd seen like nightfall and day and come and go, but it just, I just didn't realize how long the men were actually supposed to be going for. I knew that they were meeting because they were gone. And when I realized, like, wow, the, the, the men, like, left them alone for two days, and it's, like, literally every single man except for August leaves, and it's because, like, wh- I was, like, why would they do that if, like, they've, if they've known they've had, like, this much reason to piss off all these women? And I think the reason is, is because, like, they never, like, they never really expect, expected the woman to actually, like, take, like, take, take back their agency like that. Yeah. And I, so I was, like... I, that, that's what made me realize just like how powerful what they did actually was and that like th- there had just been so many years and years of like you know uh subjugation and relegating them to whatever class of citizenry you want to classify this as that like the, it just never even really occurred to the men that they even had anything to worry about because that's how total they felt their control was so yeah. i was like wow like that the men like were that co- they had that much reason to probably like if, if, if you wrong someone that much you should probably expect them to like want to like get seek some sort of revenge and it just never even really like you know but, registered to them they would take it back but you also have to consider did the men think it was wrong did they oh, think what God, they were doing a... was wrong right so mm. they may not see themselves as a, like one who harms they may not see themselves as an abuser they're just like this is And I'll connect this to um, part of it. This is how we do things. We don't, we do this just so we can procreate. Like this is our function. Like it doesn't have to be enjoyable. Like, you know, that's how they're taught. And that conversation actually comes up a lot in the movie as well, where it's like, okay, but we need to take the young boys. And they're like, but, I was gonna ask you about this. How young is too young? It's like, okay, can they be taught another way? Or how old is too old to the point where it's too late? Right, exactly. And so, you know, it is discussed as it's it's taught. So when it's taught, it doesn't seem wrong, you know, and it that's brought up a couple of times with August as well, talking about him being part of the outside world where he's like, oh. I learned new things out there. Like he learned that that structure isn't normal. Mm -hmm. You know, he's, you know, they're, they have, they've just learned that that structure is normal. They don't recognize it as rape, as abuse. They recognize it as this is how we do things. Um, And that's brought up as well um, in one of, one of the another emotional scene because i said i just cried through this whole thing i could say everything was an emotional scene but where sheila mccarthy's character was talking to her daughter jesse buckley i believe it was her character and she apologizes she's like i'm sorry 
I, we should have known this was wrong. I should have told you this is wrong. I should not have told you to forgive him. Like, and that goes into that unlearning. And it wasn't fully treated as a crime. It was treated as just a fact of life. Um, so they didn't inherently know what was wrong, which is horrible. Well, and that funny. goes into the you know whole conversation about the cycle of abuse that people don't know it's wrong if that's what they grew up in. If they had an abusive father, then you know a lot of times it's seen in like behavioral studies that boys take on a lot of those abusive qualities because they're like this is how you act, and you know girls will go to abusive partners because they're like, well, this is how men treat women. And it's a learned cycle until you actively take the time to unlearn these processes. That cycle doesn't become the cycle it does unless like these women, whether, I mean, whether, whether or not they really should have or should have felt pressure to, whether or not they, it only happens because like of, of this forgiveness that is expected of them. And yeah, I kind of, Right. Well, it's kind of funny too that like, and I, and I, and I, I thought it was a really in- smart point that you made about like, to what extent do these men even think what they're doing is wrong? But like, you know, if, if they're forgiving them, maybe they're just forgiving them to themselves and not forgiving these guys to their face. Like who knows exactly the extent to which any of them are actually called out. But I was curious about the idea of forgiveness because it's something they talk about a lot in this movie. And that's one of the options is that they ha- is that they can just stay and forgive. And, uh, and it's not one that's, uh, receives the most traction out of what they're talking about, but it's still a possibility that's talked about anyway, even after they kind of like narrowed down to two, they still talk a lot about like, maybe we should just forgive. Maybe we should just do that is, you know, that would probably in some ways be the easiest option. Yeah. But they do also open the bigger conversation of, are we genuinely forgiving? Are we forgiving because that's what we're supposed to do? Mm -hmm. Or are we genuinely forgiving? And they're like, no, we're not, genuinely forgiving because this is happening again like they're taking advantage of our forgiveness and they're like i don't forgive him for doing this to me like i don't i'm angry and is it is it the kind of forgiveness that gets you into heaven if you're only doing it because you feel that like uh you don't have another choice or you're feeling pressure that it's not it's not true and it's not truly what's in your it's not truly what's in your heart right right and I'm wondering, like, I think you probably were raised, were raised a little more religious than I was. And the people in this movie are far more religious than you or I will ever be again. For sure. And so <laughs> what, 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 what is the idea of like, did, how do you think the movie did in kind of like balancing this, these women's desires to like, still like somewhat be true to their religion, but pay any lip service to the idea of forgiveness? Because like, I forget it. The idea of forgiveness is something that I struggle with a lot in general. And like, truly wrapping my mind around it because it's something that I think does help people find peace. And it's like, but it's very strange. Like sometimes you'll like find, see stories about someone that like, like for one reason or another, like might've forgive the person that like shot a loved one or something like that. And like, I, and I can't even wrap my head about around what that even means to do. You know what I mean? Cause I, I, I'm just not in that part of religion and here. I mean, I don't think from what I've read, like Sarah Polly, the, the, the filmmaker is not exactly the most religious person, but like, she still obviously, you know, wants to like have empathy for these characters and see them for where they're coming from. So I'm wondering, like, do you think the movie, you know, cause I, I think, I think as the audience too, we're conditioned to like want these women to get the fuck out of there. Uh, so like, do you think the movie does a good job of still like 
telling you where these other women are coming from that like express a desire to like just forgive and be true to like what they see as like the way of life that they've come to know. Do you think that did a good job of like telling you where they were coming from so they didn't just seem like naive, uh, just totally naive in their way of thinking? So kind of to back up to the Mm -hmm. forgiveness thing. Yeah. All right. So a lot of forgiveness um, essentially is accepting what has happened Mm -hmm. for what has happened and then moving forward. Okay. So that's where a lot of the question of forgiveness comes from. Like, I can't forgive him. I'm angry. So saying that I can't accept what he did. It was unacceptable. I can't move forward. Um, And, you know, providing grace and patience and all of that. So when I think of forgiveness in general, but also in a religious mindset, it's accepting. It's accepting and then making the choice to move forward. It's like, okay, I see that you did that. Um, I see your response to it. I see that you feel bad about it, you know, whether it's providing an apology or not. I accept these things. I accept that it happened. I accept that you're trying to make it right. So now let's move forward. So these women having the discussion of, I just can't forgive him. I can't forgive him because they're not prepared to accept what has happened and move forward. They're angry. They're allowed to be angry. They have been violated. You know, so I think that's, you know, the big part when it does come to that forgiveness piece that they're not willing to accept this reality anymore. They're willing to change their reality. They're willing to change their circumstance. You know, so why should they accept this kind of thing? What was the second part of that question? Well, I I mean, I guess basically, like, I mean, I appreciate the insight because, like, I mean, I, like I said, I don't really understand the concept of forgiveness as well as a 32-year-old man should. Uh, But, like, at the same time, like, it seemed, how do you think the film did in kind of, explaining these women's aims and like why this is something they give that much consideration to despite the fact that like as an audience member you're probably conditioned to be like what the hell are you doing get out of there you know this is not safe right obviously we're rooting for them we're like okay get out get out like you can't live this life or yeah totally stick it to the man and then you have characters like Frances McDormand who is she's meant to be the antagonist here she's meant to be the other um, I mean, that's why, let's be real, everybody's characters are like, Ona, Salome, Agatha, and then Frances McDormand is Scarface Jans. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, that's obvious to show that she's the other. But in situations like these, you can't get help unless you help yourself. And these women are exploring the options of how do they help themselves. Option one, we accept what happened. We try to move forward. This is one way to, you know, quote, help ourselves. And they're like, okay, guys, we're going to vote. And they're like, absolutely not. That is not what we're going to do. That's now off the table. That is not how we move forward. And then option two is, okay, we're going to go in and we're going to really fight for it. Like we're going to fight back and this is our home and we're going to fight for our home. And then we had 
option three, which is we need to leave. We need to find a new home. And so how are they best going to move forward in that, you know, quote, forgiveness piece? I think what the women are really having to do here in making this decision, they're having to forgive themselves. They're having to accept what has happened to themselves. They're having to have this shared horrible experience and they're having to find a way. How do we move forward? How do we accept? How do we move forward? And spoiler alert, you know, they decide to leave. They decide the only way they can move forward, the way they can move forward for themselves and their safety, the way they can move forward for future generations is to leave, is to accept what has happened to them and understand it needs to stop. So not only are they having to forgive these men, these women are having this conversation and they're having to forgive themselves. And that's hard. People spend so much money on therapy learning how to do that. These women spend a day in a hayloft. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it, it is hard. And I, but like, I, I think the movie earns where it gets them to on that. And I think it's a testament to the writing. It's a testament to performances that like you can see them like, you know, like, again it's 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 like you said it's 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 less than 48 hours in a barn and uh that and you're yeah you're informed by all the horrible things that have happened but at the same time like these women are having to make a massive choice and a lot of them are way closer to making it than some of the others at the start that end up there on the other side and that it doesn't really feel like the movie cheated or took any shortcuts to get to the point where they would have all been on that would have been gotten at least to the same page to the extent they are i think is i I think is really impressive um i I, one of the things i did like about it though specifically though was that like they they, the interests were so disparate at the start because i think like you know one of the things sarah polly was talking about and i I listened to her on wtf with mark Barron, and one of the things she was talking about was she she felt it was a pretty good like microcosm of like the country at the moment in in a a way and like yeah even though that's totally what i was saying at the beginning i didn't listen to that podcast but i like how you know her and I are on the same page. <laughs> yeah, and like obviously, uh, the country has uh, there a whole host of other issues in addition to whatever the women are dealing with now. But the fact is, uh, her 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 thinking was, and again, she's not exactly you know she didn't conceive of the story. She adapted a book, but she thought that like, look, I I kind of like that it. And she well, actually, Sarah Polly is also Canadian, but at the same time, like they have their own political internal strife, maybe not as. Uh, uh, as extreme as America, but she's like, look, in order for America or Canada or whoever to like fix where they're going, people are going to have to like, you know, work together to, you know, figure that that don't agree and stuff are going to have to work together and for some, somehow. And uh, he, here it's, it's, it's just kind of that. So it's a good example of just like how people in a group can like, you know, in theory work together when they are, uh, w- when they don't see eye to eye. And it's, it's, it's a very good example of that with like compelling dialogue that gets at that. On top of that, I think it's a pretty good example of, you know, uh, maybe uh, I, I, I'm more curious to hear what you have to say on this, but it's, I think, an example of just how, like, you know, a lot of time, oh, actually, no, it's, it, 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 all, it also is reflecting back how, like, you know, in society, like, hey, women aren't always voting with their own interests. You know, and they might be going against their own interests at the ballot box or something like that uh, for whatever reason. Maybe it might be because uh, more selfish economic reasons, more because they're, you know, uh, just brainwashed by the patriarchy, however you may put it. And 
I, I, I do think it's a, it's, it's, it's a good reminder of that, that like, Hey, that kind of like uh, divided opinion can even exist in something in, in places where you don't expect it. And it's like, you just expect people to do what is in their best interest in, in their best interest in like all situations, but that's just not how life works. That's not how society works. And I think, I, I just think it was, it, it's, it's a very unique way to tell a story that in some ways can like, you can see reflected back in the way that like the lives we're leading, even at the ones that we're seeing on the screen here is just like, not really a life that like I could really conceive, conceive of living myself. Well, I mean, to kind of expand on the point with how it's relating to, you know, specifically our country right now, when you think about this movie mm-hmm. and then you think about the events that are going on, okay? So a big thing that is happening in our country right now, which most people know about, it's not a secret, especially not in our friend group, but the overturning of Roe versus Wade. Okay, so when we think about the overturning of Roe versus Wade, the biggest dialogue is women no longer have full control over their bodies. And when we look at this movie, these women are literally tranquilized and they have no control over their bodies. So here we have that connection there and these women are trying to figure out how how you know how do we fight back how do we give our daughters this control back and not let Ron DeSantis monitor your periods <sighs> should I sigh louder <laughs> <laughs> um I no I know I've seen discussions on Twitter because like a lot of my Twitter um you know area that I'm in is related to education I mean, I've been in education for nine years, so not surprising. But, you know, there there's also women on that platform who are talking about my daughter loves to play volleyball. We live in the state of Florida. My daughter's no longer playing volleyball, things like that. And I went on an incredible rant to Adam the other day. I was like, you don't get it. You were never a teenage girl. Like you're so out of control in your body in general. And now somebody's going to try to police that and say, if you can or cannot, you know, play a sport. Um, And that's me getting sidetracked on that. But I kind of got you there. Sorry. You you were talking more eloquently about Roe versus Wade before I had to take a shot at our governor. (laughs) No, but it's, it comes down to control. And in this Mennonite colony, the men have all the control, you know, going back to my previous point that, They have all the financial control. They have the literacy. They have, you know, religious. They have all of this power, all this control. And they also have the control over these women's bodies. And it doesn't matter who and which woman is affected. Um, Like, for example, we have our we have Melvin. Melvin is played by, I believe it's um, August Winter, who is, who does use the pronouns they, them. I did look this up. And Melvin previously presented as a woman in the Mennonite colony. Melvin, Melvin is, a, is, a, is, Melvin. Is, is a trans man in the movie. Though. Yes. Yeah. And so when Melvin was presenting as a woman was raped let's be real, it's rape, was raped by her brother 
with an incestual baby, lost the baby, and as a result, decide, like made the choice, not so much choice, but had the, I'm trying to say, how do I best say this in a trans-affirming way? Then became Melvin mm-hmm. as, you know, what is implied as the result of his trauma that then became Melvin and also decided the result of trauma lost his voice and did not feel comfortable using his voice. And one discussion that happens, which is really, really heavy. Once again, made me emotional. Like I said, I like low key cried the entire movie. I was very glad I was wearing my glasses and not my contacts that they have this discussion of shared trauma, shared trauma, separate trauma, different expressions of trauma. And that's what women are experiencing all across the country. Women are having conversations of the fear they have of traumas they're enduring, you know, mentally, physically, emotionally, as a result of not having control of their bodies, which once again, I mean, this movie's a microcosm of what's going on. Like this is a true story that has been adapted and it's just, it sucks that these stories keep happening and it sucks that these stories keep being relevant. Mm-hmm. But to get back on the trauma discussion that these women have all endured this loss of control over their bodies, repeated rapes, repeated abuse. And one way that takes them from, I don't know, maybe we should fight to, yes, let's leave, is the trauma they're enduring. You know, we have one scene where Mayhall, I think is how they said it, that she goes into a panic attack. And one of the other characters is like, well, you know, this is happening to all of us. So why is she the one acting like this? And then we have, you know, women who are very emotional, women who are very shut down, women who are afraid, you know, women who are angry and all of these different responses to trauma. And that's, that's the bridge. The bridge is that they connected over a shared trauma. That's how they got from maybe we should forgive to we need to leave. It becomes very blatant in one of the final scenes where Marisha, I'm butchering these I'll, names. I'll, I'll, I'll allow it. I, 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 I probably just as likely to have butchered it as you were. Right. Comes back with literally like a black eye, mm. a broken arm, and her daughter has a slap across her face. Where it's like, here is a very physical manifestation of what happened. And there's repeated visuals of women with their legs splayed with bruising and blood between their legs. Like Adam said to me, he's like, oh, I thought this was like, she had a miscarriage. I was like, no, No that's not what happened here. You know, it's, this happens to women daily. These kinds of things happen to women daily around the world. And yeah, I'm sure there's a lot it, of countries where it's like you can't rape your wife legally, you know? Yeah. Well, there's still states yeah. here in the United States where revoked consent is still considered recent or consent. So 
you know, it's be like, oh, if she says yes once, then it's okay. And there's some states where it's still legal to essentially rape your wife. Yeah, the, she's yours. yeah. One of the more disturbing things in law school is to like, it's like a lot of, it's, it's kind of like they have this thing called the model penal code, which is like in theory, what a lot of states would revert to if they didn't have like their own laws. And it's like, because, of, because a lot of it's this controlled by state law. And now it's like not really bothered to be updated, but like under the model penal code, like a man can't rape his wife. And it's like, it's, yeah. it's like we're not that far removed from that and so it's it's kind of it's it's it, it, i mean movies like this are like a good reminder like hey like you know uh we gotta update some of those laws right 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 or, or just yeah. like we need to well, pay attention yeah say we update state some of those laws but they just you know pulled back on roe versus wade so yeah it's just it's just like there's so many like messed up th- things there that are getting uh pushed for all over and um i think no one would you know so no one would even some of the worst actors wouldn't necessarily openly advocate for the behavior of men in this movie, but they would openly advocate for an environment that would allow for something like this to happen, you know? And yeah. it's, it's just kind of a good reminder to. Yeah. Well, I was like, let's talk about the one man in the movie. Yeah. So what, what did you make oh of that? Because like, I, I mean, I, Mr. I, 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 Mr. Bank. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, like a lot of people, um, so I saw some people that like didn't think that character necessarily worked as much for him, and they, and they almost thought like, "Hey, are we giving too much attention to the men, to the man and the woman in the movie called Woman Talking?" But like, there's like a, the, it serves a very practical the purpose. Point, the point is, he is the contrast. Mm-hmm. He is what men can be. That's the point. The point is, he is the opposite. He is what the man can be. He can be the one who advocates for the women. He can be the one who treats a girl right like he can be the one that respects a girl's choices he can be the one that advocates for their education he can be the one that advocates for boys learning the right thing to do he's he's the example here Mm -hmm. you know he's the one who's looking for the greater worldview he's looking for change and he's looking for change in the male sector he's what men can be and it's really heartbreaking at the end when he gives one of the characters a gun and they're like why did you have that were you going to kill yourself and he just gets really really emotional do you think that the men in that colony openly show emotion probably not so once again, we have that contrast, but he is so pained by all the damage men have done to these women. But they ask him at the end, like, teach these boys, teach them how to change. And some people, yeah, may have said, oh, I don't know about this casting for him. I think he was great. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if anyone really criticized the performance of the casting choice so much as like, did we need a man in this movie with all the women? But it's like, I, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Like, there's the contrast, and also like, uh, just the practical side of it. Like, it's just like a reminder of just, just like how oppressed they were. That like, they needed someone there to like 
be able to take notes like because they couldn't because yeah. it, it couldn't they couldn't do it themselves because they were like it, it was like they're indoctrinated into not being educated essentially uh which is just a pretty tragic thing in and of itself i i mean i know i i, I agree at that i think ben mendel or not ben mendelson ben wishaw is a is, what's funny rudy morrow i never actually saw it she was actually in a movie with ben mendelson called una una and here she's oh. playing a character called ona ona, ona. <laughs> um but uh but like i i i bet uh ben wishaw is very um like he, he he's always a very welcome presence whenever he's in movies i mean it's just you know i think uh he's he's the voice of paddington could you think of a more compassionate person to uh have play this Love character that. you know so i I, th- I i think it's i think he's a very very uh uh he's a very warm presence a very uh empathetic performer i think he really fits in well with what they what they need him to do here uh it's pretty tragic too when you like learn about how he you know has these like these feelings for uh ona that like aren't necessarily like it's not even necessarily an unrequited love but more like like kind of a, a forbidden thing where it's like it's just not possible and it's pretty tragic and heartbreaking on top of everything and else once again we have that res- we have that contrast he respects her he respects her no mm-hmm. he respects that okay i love you and I gotta let you go. You're not saying it back to me, and that's hurtful. But I'm going to respect that. Accepting no consent. These women have been stripped of their consent, and what does he do? He's like, okay. Well, it's also, I mean, see, I my my read on it was almost not even that she she didn't love him, but that she knew that it was like no way it could ever happen. I mean, she could have been like, yeah, run away with me, but like. I, I, it would have just made them an even bigger target. Like she couldn't stay with him there if he left. Like they, they would kind of just know. Like I just kind of thought of it as like a, this is an impossible thing, and but he's not going to like put her in a more dangerous situation either. You know, by like yeah. insisting on something. You know, I think he's he's just that he is that selfless and that much more moral than every other man that was ever in their lives before. So a very a very interesting contrast. Did you have we we didn't really talk that much about these individual performers yet. Did you have any uh did any of them like whether it be the, the these three main actresses or some of these like uh some of these other lesser known actresses that played the other woman did any of their performances really really uh impress you? I mean obviously Claire Foy mm. amazing. Like okay. just just amazing, you know, the just and I guess it pretty easy to play a compassionate woman as a woman but I will fully admit I am not a mother I can just you know relay what I've seen um from my friends from family but she did such a beautiful job of I'm here having this very very serious discussion but oh now my child needs comfort I need to shift gears. Like I need to bring this emotion down. I need to be for others. And I thought she just, she did really beautifully with that. I felt like her emotional performance was really, really raw that she was like, you could feel her anger. You could feel her anguish, but you could also feel her compassion. And, you know, it talks about, Oh, was it her character? I believe it was that, Oh, she walked for two days with her child on her back you know to get her medicine because the men wouldn't do it that was implied that wasn't explicitly Mm. stated but like she was a delight um judith ivy who played agatha she was such a lovely older woman one of the one of the one of the one of the two of those her or the uh 
Who's the other older one? There's Agatha and Sheila there. McCarty, uh, which was Greta. Greta, yeah. Which one of them was the more like, let's get the hell out of here? I, I don't, I couldn't hear because one of them was, and I don't remember which one. It was Agatha because okay. at the end, remember she was having like her medical moment, and they're like, oh, do you want to just like rest here? And she's like, I'll die on the road. Hmm. Yeah. And I was I, like, whoa, that is some badass action. Yes, ma'am. I hear you. But that also speaks to the power of this decision. Yeah, I do. I'm not even going to spend my afterlife with my body in this space. Right. Yeah, I don't remember. I I I haven't read much about it. It's interesting that like that might that might have been like the most notable of the performances of the older woman in this movie. It's the flashier one that gets. It's interesting whenever you have like this contrast with the Francis McDormand character earlier in the movie. It's like, oh, this old woman's very traditional. Uh, wants to do things the way they've always been done. Not really question the status quo that much. So it's like, oh, you you're maybe you're thinking for a second it's going to be like a young versus old divide, and it's not quite that. Especially when you see the Jesse Buckley character, but then you when you see the Judith Ivy character, and yeah. uh. Uh, so it's, it's just kind of a powerful presence where it's like, oh, wow, this woman must have seen some shit. If like right. she is like, if she is taking such a different approach from the Francis McDormand one, I mean, they might just be wired differently, too. But like she's clearly like seen a ton of really bad stuff. If someone that's lived in this for as long as she have is is ready to just go start anew. Uh, so that I mean, that that really stuck with me. But also it's it's interesting that like Francis McDormand wasn't playing that character instead. It wasn't in yeah. more of the movie. I'm sure there might be some. There's probably some practical reason for that, but I mean, good for her to uh, Judith Ivy, who I know is someone that I'm sure that's been in things you and I have seen and been around a while, but just like not a household name. And mm-hmm. I can't tell you what I've seen her in off the top of my head, but you recognize her once you see her. And I, and I, and I actually kind of agree with you on Claire Foy, like probably being the standout because, um, Jesse Buckley is just as great of an actress as her or Rooney Mara, but that character is a little more one note for a lot of the movie until, uh, the, 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 the abuse she suffers later in the movie kind of puts her over the edge a little bit. Whereas the Claire Foy character is just like, uh, very, very, she has very all over the place, all over the place. And like, but like in a very compelling and understandable way, it's not an easy situation, but she's having to like process a lot and is Mm -hmm. like kind of like taking a stance, but then trying to figure out exactly what that stance means. And it's just a tight, a tough rope to a uh, tough tight rope to walk. And yeah. so I really appreciate what she was doing. And I really appreciate Rooney Mara. I don't know how many Rooney Mara things you've seen in the last few years, but she is between. She's, awesome. When I say she's all over the place, I'm saying in terms of like, she's been a wide variety of characters. I mean, you have girl with the dragon tattoo. Right. And now you, 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 could, you, you, you could be talking about either Rooney Mara or Claire Foy. They've both been, they've both been Elizabeth Slander. Um, yeah. No, I'm serious. Well, I don't, I, 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 I'm, well, not sure. again, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Are, 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 are you talking okay. about, I, 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 what I'm saying, I, I don't know. It's the point you're now to making because you cut me off. Was it to make a point about Claire Foy or Rooney Mara? Because when you say girl with the dragon tattoo, that can literally be either of them. Well, I'm thinking Rooney Mara. Oh, okay. Like, okay. Okay. All the piercings, tattoos, yes. shaved head, like right. all of that. And then we have pregnant Mennonite. I will right. say mm-hmm. the, you know, when we're talking about these acting performances, the best acting performance, like in the whole movie, was the scene between um, Jesse Buckley and Sheila McCarthy, mm. where Sheila McCarthy as Greta apologizes, and they have this like very emotional moment where the mother recognizes she's wrong. And she apologizes. Um, and Jesse Buckley has like this incredible emotional response out of the whole movie. I think that is the best acted, most from like most intense, I guess, scene of the whole movie. And so while 
Yeah, Agatha overall, uh, and you know, when we think about these older actresses, was phenomenal. That apology scene that was done by Sheila McCarthy between her and Jesse Buckley was definitely the best acted, most emotional, in my opinion, of this whole movie. I mean, I think part of what speaks to like how impressive the movie is is that you could probably ask that question to like, you know, five different people and probably get five different answers. And they would all be right. <laughs> sure. Kayla, any other final thoughts? Any parts of this movie we didn't touch on yet that you want to talk about? Um, just, I recommend watching it. I recommend watching it um, as, you know, a female who, you know, thankfully I've never been in, obviously, a Mennonite colony. I've been very blessed that I've never been in, like, any kind of, like, abusive relationship. But there's women who have. And this is just a microcosm of what happens. And I will say there's some joke criticism out there on Reddit saying things like, oh, ha ha, it's just women talking. Like talking isn't the right word, but talking's also the word. And when I say that the women can't read, the women can't write. But the women can talk. I know we had the discussion after the movie, you, Adam, and I. You guys were kind of like, but how are they, like, so good at speaking? And, like, how are they having these vocabularies and blah, blah, blah? Like, they can't read. But it's like, that's what they're doing. These women are talking. That is what they can do. They can do storytelling. You know, they can share verbal experience. They can talk while they're working in the field they can talk while they're making soap or butter or blankets or clothes or you know whatever the one thing these women can control in this whole movie is they're talking Hmm. you know and so the title in my opinion is more than just women are sitting and having conversation over a 24-hour period and they're having this conversation to make this big decision yes But talking is the only thing these women can control. And that's what they're doing here. It's very well said. I don't have anything to add to that. Uh, (laughs) I think it sounds like we both recommend the movie, though. So, I mean, it's it's a little hard to see. Uh, I think it might have already left theaters since we saw it. Uh, So I'm sure it'll be streaming somewhere. We might we might this episode might not come out until it'll be out. I'll put this out like within the next two weeks. And at that point, maybe it'll have been out long enough for it to have moved to streaming. So hopefully people can seek it out and find it. If it's, you know, nominated for best picture and best adapted screenplay. And even if it weren't nominated for awards, it has, uh, it's worth seeing on its own merit. So Kayla, before you, before you get out of here, anything else you've been watching recently, you would like to direct the audience to. Um, so I've been watching the last of us. Okay. We've had a couple um, people recommend most people have. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm sure if you guys recall, I really like horror. So does Adam. So highly recommend that. That was absolutely fantastic so far. Also, I started watching The Empress, which is it's dubbed that. on Netflix. And so, you know, that's been a really like just fun little watch. Watched Lady Chatterley's Lover, which if you want something that's very cottage core but also sexy, like, you know, go for that. But I mean, that's what I've been watching. If you want more information on or, you know, more 
experience on this kind of topic, the Keep Sweet, Pray and Obey, I recommend that one because it also has the discussions of, you know, women leaving, you know, the fundamentalist church. How did they get out? How did their families get out? You know, how did they recognize their oppression? You know, things like that. If this is a topic that is interesting to you, even as uncomfortable of a topic it may be. And also go out there and support some women's rights. Like find a women's march, like do what you got to do. All right. Well said. Uh, I think the one thing I've knew I've watched since the last podcast I recorded probably be poker face. It's the new show on Peacock from uh, Ryan Johnson and Natasha Leone. It's a, it's, Natasha Leone plays a, a woman on the run that has this uh, 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 a little bit of a superpower and that she can tell whenever someone's lying, puts her in a bunch of situations where she has to solve crimes. It is incredibly well shot as you would expect from anything starring Ryan Johnson, but uh, Natasha Leone is very charming and it's just kind of like a, a story of the week kind of thing. So they have a lot of fun, you know, recognizable actors. You'll know if you just want to, aside from just seeing uh, Natasha Leone and Benjamin Bratt, who are a couple of the people that, you know, pop up throughout the, at least the first two episodes so far. But I think if, by the time people listen to this, there'll be like about six out of, of like a first season of 10 of them. So uh, just a very, very delightful, fun and uh, well done show. If you like mystery stuff, highly recommend it. And uh, yeah, that's what I'd say. Uh, Kayla, I think you're usually a blank slate social media wise. Nothing else you like, you don't, you normally plug anything in that regard, right? No, I mean, if you're really worried about it, you could probably find me on Instagram um it's a super long instagram handle so i mean yeah that's okay if you've listened to enough you know adam's instagram i'm tagged on (laughs) all the time so that's okay i know i I like people people get to plug their stuff if they if they're they're more uh, public with it than you are but i didn't want to just like you know not give you the option as usual i'm josh jernavoy j-o-s-h-j-u-r-n-o-v-l-y on both twitter and letterbox podcast email is the real movie pod at gmail.com podcast uh, twitter is at real movie pod coming up next on the podcast uh ooh, what what do we what what new do we have I, I might i might be doing a podcast with our friend daniel on living which is the movie starring uh bill nye that's not in that many theaters but uh got him nominated for academy award for best actor uh a movie that i really really liked so and daniel really really liked too so we might just do it even though like not that many people have seen it because we both were very moved by it and then after that it might just be uh magic mike's last dance which i'm being joined for by our friend josh brown and uh another guest who i don't want to say yet because i have not confirmed it but like uh i'm i'm very much looking forward to that if you haven't watched magic mike or magic mike xxl they're both excellent but very different movies that you should watch so wait did i miss um 80 for brady I don't know if I'm doing a podcast on 80 for Brady or not. I, I, that is one where it's like, I, I've told people I'm not above saying like, I will see 80 for Brady. I may very well go. I may, I may, I may go tomorrow night, but like, it's just not one I'm willing to commit to do a podcast on before it comes out. I mean, yeah, that might just be one that needs to be fun. That goes in one ear and out the other. I don't know if it's uh, something that like, you know, you want to think too hard about, but like I, I reserve my, I reserve the right to change my mind on that, you know? So <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, Ant-Man and the Wasp is coming out soon too. Right. I already have opening night tickets for that one. Ooh, right. As usual, I want to thank uh, Kayla for joining me. I really appreciated her insights on this one. And I want to thank everyone for listening. Come in, so we'll see you next time.